Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be here. Uh, can anyone tell me what these two things or these two people have in common? So it's King Tutankhamen and the Chicago Cubs baseball team. What do you reckon they've got in common? Oh, that could be true as well, but that's not what I'm going for. Any other ideas? Uh, maybe. That's not what I'm looking for either. They were both... <laughs> no, they were, they were both said to be cursed. So, King Tutankhamun. Shortly after his tomb was discovered, uh, a series of strange and unpleasant things started happening in the lives of the people who were involved in the discovery. So, for instance, one guy, Lord Carnarvon, uh, he died soon after being involved in the discovery from pneumonia following complications from a mosquito bite and allegedly at the exact same moment that he died, all the lights in the city of Cairo mysteriously went out and all the way back home in England, Lord Carnarvon's dog fell over dead at the exact same moment, seemingly struck down by the curse of King Tutankhamun. The Chicago Cubs baseball team, uh, they were also said to be cursed. It all started for them way back in 1908 when a Cubs fan brought his pet goat along to watch the baseball one day. Evidently the goat smelt so bad that all the other uh, fans in the stadium started complaining and eventually the man and his goat were forced to leave and the guy felt so insulted, he was so offended that on his way out with his goat, he said, them Cubs, they ain't going to win no more. And that's how the curse of the Billy Goat started. And get this, the Chicago Cubs didn't win again for 108 years. They finally broke that curse when they won the World Series a couple of years ago in 2016. You might have heard about it. It was pretty big in the news at the time. So King Tutankhamun and the Chicago Cubs, what they have in common is that they were both said to be cursed. Now look, in all honesty, I don't actually think that they were cursed. I think those are just stories that people made up to try and explain a series of strange, mysterious, unexpected and often unpleasant events. But here's the thing. The Bible says that curses do exist. They are real. And even more than that, the Bible actually says that all of us here are under a curse. We are under a curse from God, a curse that we deserve, a curse that has terrible consequences. And that's where our carol for today comes in. Today we're going to be jumping into verse 3 of Joy to the World. Uh, it's printed on the inside of your bulletin there. And if you have a look at the very last line, it says this. It says, as far as the curse is found. That's alluding to the fact that we are all under a curse from God. But what we'll see in this carol is that Jesus came to break the curse. Jesus came to take the curse on himself so that instead of us being cursed by God, we might have God's blessing. So here's how the verse starts. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. We just sung it. But it sounds weird, doesn't it? Like, what is a Christmas carol doing talking about sin growing and sorrow and sadness spreading? 
And what is all that stuff about the earth being infested with thorns? What does it all mean? Well, it's talking about the fact that the whole of creation has been cursed by God. We live in a world that's cursed. Which raises the question, doesn't it? How did things get to be like that? And to answer that, we've got to go right back to the very beginning of the Bible. So if you've got a Bible handy, turn with me right back to the start, to Genesis chapter 3. And while you're looking for it, let me remind you of the context. The context here is that God made the earth. And on the earth, he made a special garden. And in the garden, he put a man and a woman, Adam and Eve. And here in Genesis 3, we'll pick it up as God comes walking through the garden to talk with Adam and Eve and see if you can spot what has gone wrong. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The man answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Now we'll pause there and can you see what's going wrong here? When God made the world, it was perfect. And he gave Adam and Eve one command. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of of good and evil. And that is exactly the thing that they have done. They ignored God and they blatantly disobeyed him. Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? God asked. In verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I ate. And look, it's because they disobeyed God, what the Bible calls sin, that's why God curses the world. Have a look at verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. And God goes on to the serpent uh, to say to the serpent that he's cursed to spend his life kind of wriggling around in the dust. And whenever people see him, they'll try and kill him. And then God goes on to curse the woman, verse 16. To the woman, God said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And so for the woman, the curse means that having children will be really, really painful and difficult. And it means that there will be constant tension and difficulty in relationships and especially in her relationship with her husband. And finally, God curses the man as well, verse 17. To the man, God said, Because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you'll eat the plants of the field. That's a lot like our carol, isn't it? Part of God's curse against sin is that thorns will infest the ground. But it goes on and it gets worse. Verse 19. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food, 
until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. So you see, because of their sin, because they disobeyed God, they were cursed. They will be enemies with the animals, and especially with the serpent. Having children will be really, really difficult. Relationships will be hard and painful. Even growing food will only come through painful toil and sweat because the earth will produce thorns and thistles for them. And worst of all, in the end, after a life of fighting with each other and hurting each other and sweat and blood and tears, a life full of hard work, in the end they'll die. And they'll return to the ground that they were taken from. That is God's curse against Adam and Eve because of their sin. But it's not just Adam and Eve who are under that curse. Doesn't that sound just like the world that we live in? This is a picture of my lawn at home. As you can see, it's infested with weeds and thorns. And even worse, this is my veggie garden. But in all seriousness, we live in a world where the ground produces thorns and thistles, don't we? We live in a world where we spend our lives sweating and toiling away and working hard for very little reward. This is a picture of my nana. It's one of the last pictures I have with her before she died. We live in a world where relationships are hard and complicated and painful. And even worse, we live in a world where the people that we love die. One day we will return to the dust we were taken from. One day we will die. And I'm sure you know this is true. You don't have to look too far, do you, to find things in life that are frustrating or disappointing, things that make you sad or angry, or things that just hurt. Because we live in a world that is cursed. But that's actually not how God wants things to be. God doesn't want to curse the world. He wants to bless the world. And that's what our carol goes on to say. Here are the next couple of lines. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. God doesn't want the world to be full of sin and sorrow and thorns and death. He doesn't want the world to be cursed. God wants the world to be blessed. He wants it to be full of life and peace and joy. And actually, right at the very other end of the Bible, we get a glimpse of where all of God's plans are headed. We get a picture of where our world is headed, and it is a great picture. So if you've still got your Bible there, Uh, Come with me right to the very end, Revelation chapter 22. It's the very, very last chapter in the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. And as I read, listen to God's plans for the future. And in particular, note what has happened to the curse. Revelation 22 and verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. 
No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Did you hear those words? No longer will there be any curse. This is a picture of a time when curse is gone, replaced by blessing. A picture of life literally flowing out from God to people from all nations. A picture of plenty and abundance. A picture of healing and forgiveness. A picture where life is good and easy and satisfying and all is as it's meant to be. No longer will there be any curse. This is a picture of complete blessing. It's a very different picture from what we saw back in Genesis 3, isn't it? It's like one of those incredible before and after pictures that you sometimes see, you know them? Uh, Like this one. That's a before and after picture of a dam. I'm sure we can all kind of relate with that at the moment. Unfortunately, that kind of scene is being repeated all around Australia at the moment. Uh, Here's another one. This is a before and after picture of Dubai. It's an amazing transformation, isn't it? It makes you wonder, how on earth does it go from that in 2005 to that today? But this is my favourite one. Before. (laughs) After. Those kind of pictures just blow my mind. Like, I think, is that really the same mouth? It makes you think, how on earth could you go from that before to that after? It just looks so completely different. And that's a bit like what we're seeing here in the Bible, isn't it? In the before picture, back in Genesis, the whole world was cursed. There was sin, there was fighting and arguing, there were thorns and thistles, there was hard work and suffering and sweat and death, and now in the after picture, here in Revelation, everything has been made right. There are trees bearing fruit in abundance. There's plenty for everyone. And everyone's there together and they're all serving God. There's no more curse. There's no more suffering. There's no more death. But how on earth did we get from that before picture to that after picture? How did we get from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22? How did we get from curse to blessing? How does that happen? Well, What our carol hints at and what the Bible makes really, really clear is that it's through Jesus. Jesus came to take the curse on himself so that instead of us being cursed by God, we might have God's blessing. So this is how Paul describes it in Galatians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. I heard a story once, it's a true story, about a man. And one night this man, uh, he took his family to go have dinner with some friends, another family. And when they arrived, they found that one of the children that they'd come to visit had been doing the wrong thing and was being punished. Evidently, before they got there, it was bath time, and this kid either didn't want to have a bath and was, so was throwing a tantrum, or they'd been taking too long in the bath, or they'd been mucking around in the bath and splashing water everywhere, something like that. Anyway, whatever it was, though, the punishment was that this child had to stay sitting in the bath until bedtime, which meant that they would miss out on playing with their friends. And so when this man arrived with his family, and when he found out what the situation was, 
This is what he did. He went in and he said to the child, it's okay, you get out of the bath and go play with your friends. I'll take your place. I'll take the punishment for you. I'll sit in the bath. And I kid you not, this is a true story, that is exactly what he did. He hopped in and he sat in the bath until bedtime. Now, that's a great story. And it's actually a really, really good example of what Jesus did for us. We're the ones who are under a curse. We deserve to be punished for our sin. We deserve to die. But what this is saying is that Jesus rescued us from the curse by taking our place. He became a curse for us. And he did that when he died on the cross. That's what it means there when it says, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. That's talking about Jesus when he died on the wooden cross. Jesus took our curse on himself and he died in our place. Now, why on earth would he do that? Well, Paul goes on to say that Jesus died in our place so we could have blessing instead of curse. It says, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles, that's us, through Christ Jesus. Jesus took our place. He died for us so that instead of us being part of the before picture, we can be part of the after picture. Remember, the before picture is what we saw back in Genesis chapter 3. It's the world we live in at the moment, a world that's cursed, a world where thorns do infest the ground, a world where we sin, a world where we feel sadness and pain and suffering and loss, a world where we fight with each other, a world where we hurt each other, a world where we disappoint each other, a world where we get frustrated and angry, a world of blood and sweat and tears, a world where we work hard for our whole lives and then at the end of it all we die and everything's taken away and it's all meaningless. That's the world we live in. And look, you can choose to keep living that way if you want. But how much better is the picture we saw in Revelation 22, the after picture? It was a picture of a world where life is good, where everything is as it should be. Instead of thorns, there are trees producing fruit in abundance. Instead of sin, there's forgiveness. Instead of feeling sadness and pain and suffering and loss, there's joy. Instead of fighting with each other and hurting each other, there's peace. Instead of feeling disappointed and frustrated and angry with each other, there's healing. Instead of painful and meaningless toil, life has meaning and purpose. Instead of death, there's eternal life. Instead of curse, there's blessing. No longer will there be any curse. That is the after picture that we've seen this morning. That's the picture that our carol talks about. And we can be part of it because of what Jesus has done. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, thanks so much for for the great truths um, that we can be reminded of in this carol. Because we're painfully aware that we live in a world where things are not right. And they're not right because of our sin. And life can be hard and relationships can cause us pain and work is often difficult and death Death just makes everything meaningless. And so we're really, really thankful uh, that Jesus has come to rescue us from that curse of sin and death. That by dying in our place, he's made it so we can be part of that picture we saw at the end. Life with you in the new creation. A life of blessing and forgiveness and peace and healing. So please excite us by these things and please move us that we might... Trust in Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen.